to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. thank you today that God you love us. God we thank you today God that you want to help us in every step of our lives and God I pray as we open up your word your word declares that your word is alive and will never return void and here's what I pray today God your word would accomplish everything in everyone's hearts today. I pray that you would multiply this word to whatever need people have in their lives right now, that God, you would use it to meet that need. God, we thank you today. We love you in this house. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen in the house. So fan or follower, fan or follower, we're talking about, is it words or is it action? Is it just words or is it just Action. For the past two weeks, we've been looking at what we've called the greatest invitation. The invitation that God has made to each one of us. And we presented the invitation, but then also we asked, what's your decision? Is your decision to be a fan or to remain as a fan? You know, you come to church, you cheer on God. You kind of call yourself a Christian because that's kind of what you are. Or are you a follower? Are you someone who is totally committed to Christ? I have realized this in my life. If I'm going to follow something or I'm going to do something, I need to know the particulars. I need to know what's expected and and what's required. If I'm going to be a part of something, I need to know where it is, what it is, how much it's going to cost, what's going to go on, because if not, I'm clueless of what I need to be following. It's the same with Christ. Unfortunately, too many people are clueless about really what it means to follow Christ. And that's why for the last few weeks and even this entire month, we've been presenting to you what are the requirements to follow God. And the requirement is this, anyone can do it. But then there's things that we must do. But yet so many of us still want to follow God in our terms. We want to do it our way. Come on, we want to do it in our time and just how we think it should be. We want it to be more words and not too much action. You know, I will. I have every intention to follow Jesus, but not right now. Maybe someday, maybe one day. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the words that we so easily say, but yet the life we fail to live. Look at the invitation again in Luke 9, verse 23. We read of the invitation. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's pretty interesting as you read this chapter, the chapter of Luke 9, that you will read later towards the end of three 
people, three men who approach Jesus or Jesus approaches them and the invitation is given to them. But yet see the response, see how they react. Look with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. We're going to read some scripture today. Luke chapter 9. 57 through 62, it says this, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then they said, then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61. And another said also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Listen to me today. The invitation to three people. One said, wherever. One said, Hold on a second, let me make an excuse. One gave an excuse. I will do this when, and another had a greater priority. Something else was more important. It was more pressing than that. You know, there's something very sad that I read, and we just read in this passage today, and that is this. Out of the three people who came to Christ, And out of the three people that were either asked or asked Jesus or said they wanted to follow him, I don't read and we didn't read that one followed him. They said it, but they didn't do it. They had the right words, but they had no action to back it up. Let's look at man number one. Like the other two men, he's not given a name. But what we read of in verse 57 of Luke 9 is this. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. The key word there is wherever. I'll follow you wherever. Wherever? Yeah, you better believe it. I'll follow you with no restrictions. I'll follow you with no boundaries. God, with no borders, I'll follow you. How many would say that sounds like someone really serious and someone who was really ready to follow Jesus? Anyone agree with that? Wherever, God, count me in. And Jesus says, okay, wherever may mean that you may have no place to sleep and stay. Wherever may mean that you may find yourself where no one's going to take care of you. You may not have anything to eat. You may not have all the comforts of life. What does Jesus say in verse 58? He says, foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to follow me wherever, can you handle that? 
Can you handle having nowhere to stay, nowhere to live, and nowhere to take care of you? I can almost see this man. Jesus, hold on a second. Can you see him kind of backtrack? Let's just take that one back a little bit. Let me clarify my wherever. How many knows there is no clarification in wherever? It's either wherever or not. And he's turning around and saying, man, I didn't buy in for this. I I didn't sign up for that wherever because that's not the wherever that I want. You see, following Jesus is not an emotional decision. Too many people make it an emotional decision. I want to liken it like this, an impulse buy. Have you ever impulsively bought something? Come on, you went to Walmart and you went there for a gallon of milk and you come out with your shopping cart full of stuff. Hold on a second. I just wanted a gallon of milk, but now all of a sudden I see something in the aisle that hastened to understand was purposely placed there. It's marketing. Did you know that? It's marketing. It was purposely placed there that when you would push by it, that you would kind of stop and think, I can't live without that. Do you notice now when you go and check out, the aisles where you check out are getting narrower and narrower because they've got like shelves and shelves of stuff now right there? Come on, how many of you pick up a pack of gum because it's right there? And please, if you need the gum, pick it up. Buy two packs. Do us all a favor. But amazing, isn't it? Now it used to just be candy there, but now they've got iPhone chargers. Now they've got little deodorants. They've got all these little things. Why? Because you're waiting in line because they've only got two registers open and there's 50 of them in the store. Sorry, I just had to get that out right there. Just had to get that out. You know why there's 50 registers and only two open? Because the other 48 people are out in the parking lot putting people's shopping carts away because they haven't put their shopping carts. Just had to say that. Put your shopping cart away. But it's the impulse of buying. Go to a pet store. Have you ever been to a pet store? You walk into a pet store because you're going for some fish food. Cost you about a dollar ninety-eight. A little pack of fish food, but you walk in. Oh, look at that puppy! Oh my goodness! They put those puppies right there in the aisles and the cats. So here's a dollar ninety-eight can of fish food plus a four hundred puppy because obviously that's what you really needed. It's impulsive buying, but you see that's how many of us are when it comes to Christ. Oh God, I'll follow you. But it's more of an emotional decision than really weighing out what that means. You see, it's important to understand and think through the person, personal and more practical implications of really what it means to follow God. We don't want people just to make emotional decisions. We want people to make lifelong decisions. We want people to make decisions that realize there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay for truly following God. And that's what Jesus is really saying to him in verse 58 when he says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. What Jesus is saying to him is this, if you say you'll follow me wherever, what about there? What about there? What about the areas of your life that may threaten your comfort and your security? Listen to this quote. It is much easier to speak about following Jesus when you're making a general statement without any specific commitments. Let me say that one more time. It's much easier to speak about following Jesus when it's just a general statement without any specific commitments. 
Let me break it down to your life. Have you ever met someone that you haven't met for a while? You know, someone from your past that you're kind of glad they're in your past. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And here's how we meet people. We look at them and say, man, it is so good to see you. Come on, let's just be honest in the house right now. We don't really think that. Because we're not really glad to see them and they're kind of inconvenienced us by meeting them. But here's how we go. And please, I know I'm setting myself up. If I say to you, I'm glad to see you, I just want you to know I really am glad to see you. I'm not just blowing you off, okay? But here's what a lot of people do. And here's what we go on. So good to see you. Let's get together sometime and have a coffee. The reality is this. You don't want to have a coffee with them because you don't even really like them. Come on, we're in church. Let's just be honest in the house right now. You don't really like them, but what are you doing? You're saying the right thing to hurry up and end a conversation so you can move on quickly. You don't intend to follow up on what you say, but you say the right things. My God, that sounds like a lot of our spiritual walk with God. Sounds like a lot of our relationships. God's good to see you. God, let's have coffee sometime. But all we're doing is saying the right things so we can hurry up and get on with our lives. Come on, say out, say ow, say amen, say something in the house today. It's amazing that we can say the right thing at the moment, the right words, but yet no action. Sounds good to others. And it may impress that person and they may say, great. And they may take you up on it and they Facebook you every day and say, remember that coffee? When are we going to go? But it may sound good to others, but I'm telling you right now, it doesn't fool God. It does not fool God. Why? Because he doesn't listen to your words. He judges the motive of your heart. He goes to the source of your words. He goes right to the thing. And you know, God looks behind the mirage of the words we say. You know what a mirage is? If you're ever in the desert, I haven't been there lately, but if you've ever been in a desert, they tell us that in the future or ahead of you, your eyes will play tricks and the heat and the waves and everything will cause you to see what appears to be a big lake of water. We've seen it on roads when you drive in the hot days in front of you. It can look like water. But when you go there, you realize it wasn't really real. It was just an image. I wonder how many of us have a mirage of words. Looks good. But when you get to it, you never do because it's never there. Because there's no actions to back it up. Listen to me. Wherever means every area of your life. Let me ask you a question today. Where is the one place you find it most difficult to follow Jesus? I wonder where the place is where you find it most difficult to follow Jesus. You see, if you said, God, I'll follow you wherever, that means he's pinpointing that place along with every other place of your life. But he's coming right there today, just like that man. God, I'll follow you wherever. And Jesus says, what about there? What about that place that you find it hardest to follow Jesus? What about there? Maybe your what about is work. Maybe some of you struggle to follow Jesus at work. It's amazing, you know, people use every excuse and they turn around and say, we don't have time to talk about work. Man, you sure talk about a lot of pointless things at work. Well, they don't let us discuss a religion at work and we don't want to mix all that. It's amazing how many people ride with Jesus to work and then they leave him in the car 
for the day and then they meet them again at five o'clock when they check out. It's amazing to me how many people are praising God and praying that God would help them and help them to touch other people, but they leave them outdoors and they never take them into work with them. What about there? What about truly following Jesus there? I was reading in the book, Not a Fan, an amazing story about a lady who had worked with someone for eight years. Eight years in the same cubicle as that lady. And she had never invited that lady or told her anything about God for eight years. And pastor preached a message and challenged people to go out and invite people to church and spread the word. And she felt so convicted about it. She said, this week I'm going to do it. She mustered up enough courage on that Monday morning to go into work and she apologized and she said, I am so sorry and embarrassed and ashamed that I've sat beside you for eight years and I've never told you that Jesus loves you and I've never invited you to come to the church. The lady beside her began to laugh and said, you're not going to believe this. She said, for eight years I've been sitting here praying that God would give me the boldness to tell you because I'm a Christian and I go to church too. How sad. Two people sat beside each other with the answers to every problem of life, Jesus inside of them. But yet they never shared that with others around them. What about at work? Is that the area where it's tough for you to follow Jesus? What about at your school or your college? It's a shame that today our hallways in our schools, our classrooms are lined with undercover agents. Come on, a hidden identity. We don't want Jesus to come with us into school because people are going to laugh at us. People are going to make fun of us. Don't want to rock the boat there. What about at home? Is that the area where Jesus says, what about there? But that's the hard place for you. Come on, how do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your kids? What's your attitude? What do you watch? What are you entertaining yourself with at home? Because when we say, God, I'll follow you wherever. God's saying, what about there? What about there? What about there? What about around your friends? That's a tough one for a lot of people. Well, they're my friends. They've been my friends all my life. I'm telling you right now, you need to define what friendship is because you've got the truth of God living inside of you. And if you're not sharing that with them, you ain't been a friend. Come on, let me say that one more time. You ain't been a true friend to them. Because if you're a real friend to them, you'll love them enough to share with them the truth of God. But what about that? Is that an area where God is not included? What about in your neighborhood? What about this one? What about at the game? What about at the game? What are you talking about? Our culture around here is, well, Pastor Philip, it's just cool to go and tailgate and it's cool just to hang out and do all these crazy things. Let me tell you something. God's saying, if you want to follow me, what about there too? What about there too? What about online? Here's a new dimension that we've stepped into over the last few years. What about there? Do you find it hard to follow God online? Well, I'm not really saying it because I'm typing it. Well, no one is seeing the pornography that I'm watching. No one's apart. It's okay because no one else knows. I'm telling you, someone does. What about there? You see, when you say, I'm going to follow you, God saying everywhere means everywhere. Oh, we've got it down packed on Sundays. We've got it down packed on church time. But everywhere includes every part of our lives. I want to share with you right now. I know I'm not perfect and you can shout amen in the house because it's the truth. Okay, I'm not perfect. Ask my wife, ask my kids, they can tell you that. But I am telling you something, to the best of my ability, I'm the same person wherever I'm at. 
if I'm out of the mall, if I'm out at the game. You see, that's why I'm not afraid to be at a ball game and shout and holler and have a great time and cheer on my team. Because let me tell you something, I do the same here in church. I don't shout more in a ball game and praise more in a ball game than I do in church because church is the most important thing. Church sets the standard for my life, okay? But I want to tell you something. I'm the same person. I I don't put on church. When I put on my tie or my nice clothes on Sunday, I don't just get spiritual. If you talk to me outside the pulpit, the same way I talk, I don't stand behind the pulpit and say, bless God. I don't speak different. I don't act different. This is who I am. If you don't like me behind the pulpit, you're not going to like me out of the pulpit because here's what we are. But what I'm saying is I don't put on church because I am the church. And that's not a bragging statement saying, look at me, I'm heartsease. The Bible says, no, you're not. That Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the church of God. So we don't have to live a double standard. You see, what I'm trying to say is this. I don't have to worry about what story I tell Sherry if it's going to be different to the story I tell Jason. Why? Because the stories I tell are the same. A lot of people freak out and they say, okay, man, what did I tell them? Because I know I told them something. I know that. See the pressure we put on our lives? You know, I don't have to worry about who sees me go into places. I don't have to look over my shoulder constantly and see who's around because watch out. What if they see me doing something or hear me say something? Listen, I can sit in a restaurant with my back to the door and enjoy my meal. Some people freak out at that. Pastor Philip, can we switch places? Why? Because I need to see who's coming and going. I don't like to see who's coming and going, especially when I go out with my wife, because I'm easily distracted. I'm easily distracted. So I'm going to be looking at everyone who's coming in for no other reason apart from that's just how I am. I want to focus on my wife. So I'll purposely, when we go out to eat, sit. So all I'm looking at is her. But you see, why do I do that? Can I tell you why I do that? Because whenever or wherever means wherever to me. Wherever means wherever. How about you? How about your life? You know, one of the greatest obstacles to wherever is this. Fear. Say with me, fear. Fear is a big obstacle. You know, the what ifs, the risk of uncertainty. Here's how people say, well, God, I want to follow you. But hold on a second. What if God causes me to, calls me to go to Africa? What if God calls me to, you know, go and feed the homeless? What if God asks me to do something that I don't want to do? What am I going to do? You know, they tell us the number one way that people deal with fear is this, avoidance. The number one way people deal with fear is avoidance. Just to stay away from that. Not to go there. It's amazing how that fear can keep us from truly following God. And I want to share something with you right now. If God wants you to be in Africa, your life will never be more fulfilled. And you will never be happier than being where God wants you to be. And you can say, well, I couldn't do that. I'm telling you, Christ in you, you can do anything. If that's what you're called to do, God would give you the strength and the ability. And I would much rather be where God wants me to be than where I think I need to be. I remember my cousin Bonnie, she's married to a Marine. He's, he's out of the army now, but he was in the Marines and, and um, he's not on active duty. And, and his mum was asked by many people, 
It doesn't freak you out because he did two tours of duty in Iraq. And people asked his mum and said, it doesn't freak you out that he's in Iraq. And his mother, Zach's mother, looked at those people and said, let me tell you something. I'd much rather him be in Iraq in the will of God than here in Georgia outside of the will of God. You see, where your God wants you to be, he's going to protect you and take care of you. But we allow fear. Why do we need to be so afraid of the one who loves us more than anything? The one who wonderfully created you. I encourage you, some homework for you. Read Psalms 139 when you get home. An incredible book and it talks about how wonderfully you were created. It said, fearfully and wonderfully were you made. Skillfully God wrought you. How precious are God's thoughts that he has towards you. What a picture God presents of his love for every one of us. And we've got to understand that we don't have to be afraid of the one. Wherever has to become a part of our lives. It's a way of life. It's being willing to go wherever Jesus goes. And I want to tell you something today. Jesus doesn't just send you into your neighborhood. Jesus doesn't just send you into your workplace. Oh, he does, but he goes with you. He goes before you. He's there to help you. And you know one of the greatest combats against fear is companionship. You ever been afraid of someone who was bigger than you? But then all of a sudden you had someone who was bigger than them beside you. What happens? Hey boy, yeah, you dare come over here now. All of a sudden, you're talking trash. Why? Because you've got something to back it up. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Hey, you think you're big and bad now. Now you come over here now and you're feeling all sassy about yourself. But it's not about you. It's about the monster who's standing beside you that you're gaining some confidence from that. Listen, God, the almighty, omnipotent one, wants to be with you in every situation of life. And that companionship can give you the strength that you need and the confidence that you need. But it's very sad that man number one couldn't get through or pass the requirements of truly what wherever meant. It was all about words and it wasn't about action. So he slipped back into the fan status. Then look at man number two. He actually doesn't come to Jesus, but Jesus comes to him. Look what it says in verse 59. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, what? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. He made an excuse. Say with me, excuse. Come on, say it loud today. Excuse. Do you realize that there are websites out there and there probably are apps for your phone. I didn't bother to waste my time to research that. But you know there are, app, there are websites out there that list excuses. You want a good excuse for your boss, there's websites out there that have got hundreds of excuses listed. If you haven't done your homework, if, you, if you've done this, whatever in life that you need an excuse for, you can find them all listed and guess what? You can even post yours on there. But you know, one thing I've discovered is this. An excuse is only needed when I don't do what's asked or required of me. Come on now, let's be honest in the house. If I'm using an excuse, then guess what I'm saying? I'm guilty of not doing or being what I need to be. 
You're not trying to justify. You're saying, I'm guilty. Too many people today are making excuses when it comes to God. And what does Jesus say to this man? Look at verse 60. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. How many would say, come on, Jesus. I mean, chill. Come on, say chill with me. Come on, chill, Jesus. I mean, that's a little bit harsh. Let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, come on. But you've got to understand this. Jesus is not interested in the man's excuse, which seems a pretty reasonable one to me. Come on, does that seem reasonable to you? I mean, let the guy go and have a funeral for his dad. I mean, that's not too much to ask. But you see, you've got to understand, if you would realize what he is really saying, here's what the man is really saying. He's saying, when my parents die, then I will follow you. The indication is there's nothing wrong with his dad. His dad's possibly not even sick. It's not like he's going to die. But what the guy really is saying is this, God, right now, is just not a good time. Maybe later. Countless millions have said those words. Countless millions, maybe you have even said those very words. Maybe tomorrow, Jesus, but not today. Maybe tomorrow. We have every intention of one day going all in and being completely committed to Jesus, but just not today. And as a result of us believing that, we don't feel convicted by not following because we have told ourselves in our minds, one day we really will follow God. But you see, the biggest problem with that is this. Tomorrow may never come. Come on, tomorrow might never come and in most cases it doesn't. Have you listened to yourself lately? I mean, have you heard yourself talk lately? I'm just giving some of my stuff. You know, an area in my life that I'm really trying to work on really hard is procrastination. I hate that about me, but I can procrastinate stuff sometimes. I remember at school, it was always the case. You had two weeks to do something. And I was up the morning of doing it before school on the way to school and praying that the teacher gave us some free time in the class so I could do it. Come on, anyone with me right there? And if it wasn't the free time, oh, I feel like I'm having a headache. Can I go to the office? I hated that, but that just seemed to be. And you know who I hated more than ever? I hated the kids who the night they got the homework already did it. And you know what? They didn't come to school the next day quiet. They came back and said, excuse me, sir, can I hand my homework in now? Because I've already done it. As much as I hated those people, I wished I was them. I hated procrastination. And here's my life right now. Can I just take you to my procrastinating life right now? Here's some areas that I need to start eating right and I need to start dieting. But I'll do it tomorrow. Come on, I'm going to start to exercise. Maddie said to me the other day, she said, Dad, you've been talking about exercising forever. I said, I know, but I'm really going to do it tomorrow. Come on, what about this one? I'm going to start waking up earlier in the morning so I can really have some time with God and I can start praying. But you know what? I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. 
I like the sign in the restaurant, and I know I've told you this before, but the sign in the restaurant that said, free steaks tomorrow. Man, fantastic and great, which is great until you go back the next day, which would be tomorrow, and you realize the same sign is still up. So hold on a second, I'm in tomorrow, but guess what? There's still not free steaks till tomorrow, because tomorrow doesn't ever come if there's no change today. Come on, tomorrow never comes. And do you know what tends to happen between today and tomorrow? You know what happens between the decision of saying, God, maybe not now, but maybe later. Can I paint the picture of what happens between that decision? Are you ready? Take notes. Here it is. Wrong decisions. That's what happens between choosing to follow God and then putting it off, you'll make the wrong decisions. You know what else is in that gap? Divorce, addictions, unmanageable debt, hurts, pains, rejection, and the list goes on and on and on. And I want to tell you something today, most of which, if not all of which, could have easily been avoided by choosing to follow Jesus today. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know there's a lot of people that wishes they had given their lives to Christ a lot longer of a time earlier. Why? Because all the pain between now and tomorrow has been absolutely incredible. Right now, without excuses. Now, there are something and some good things do come out of the pains, the tragedies, the shattered dreams. And you know what that is? Many people do turn to God and they say, God, I need you now. But unfortunately, again, for most, that's just an emotional decision because, God, it's not going too good right now. And then as soon as things get good, God, I don't need you anymore. I want to illustrate this to you. In your car, on your dashboard, there are warning lines. Those lights actually come on and serve a purpose. I know for some of you, you turn around and say, man, that light just drives me crazy. It's been flashing for weeks. It's been flashing for months. There's something about those warning lights, and that is this. When the warning light comes on, most of the time, your car's not going to die right then. But that warning light comes on with enough notice to let you know that within the day or so, you need to get it checked out. You need to go and see a mechanic. You need to take it back to the dealership. But you know what we do? We cover up that warning light. Come on, we take a piece of tape, or if we're really excessive, we take a hammer, pow, smash that out. And then we wonder why we find ourselves stranded, broken down, on the side of a road, in the middle of nowhere. The reality is it could have easily been avoided by paying attention to the early warning lights. All the stress, all the heartbreak, all the wasted fortune. We could have saved ourselves from all of that. Listen to this statement. There are natural consequences that come when we refuse to follow Jesus and instead go our own way. I'm not saying that God causes those things, but I am saying that He often allows those blinking lights to get our attention so we'll make the decision to get on the right path and follow Him. No more excuses. But as I said earlier, the most dangerous part of following Jesus tomorrow isn't what we lose between now and then. That's not the worst thing that can happen. 
The worst thing that can happen is this, that tomorrow may never come. Quit hitting the snooze button. Come on, you all know you do it. My sister used to drive me nuts. My sister, if she had to wake up at 6, she would set her alarm at 5.30. For this reason, she loved the fact that she could hit the snooze three times and say, oh, 30 more minutes, oh, more, 20 more minutes, oh, 10 more minutes till I have to get up. That drove me crazy because I'm a light sleeper and I would hear it in the other room and I would know the procedure. But we know how it is to hit that snooze. You know what? Quit making excuses and hitting the snooze button of life. Wake up, act now, not only by your words, but by your action. Look, I read this this week. You know, there's a principle of human behavior that is simply stated as this. Are you ready? As now, so then. Say that with me. As now, so then. Here's how it plays out, okay? The vast majority of time, the decisions you make today will be the decisions you make tomorrow. Here's how we say, well, I'm going to do this today, but God, I'm going to do something completely different tomorrow. Human behavior says no. Most of the time, the decision you make today is going to be the decision that you're still going to make tomorrow. So if you don't do it now, there's probably no reason to think that you're ever going to do it then. Come on, say with me, wow. I've got to start making the right decisions. You know, big doors swing on small hinges. I've got to start making some important decisions because there's a whole lot of consequences that are hanging on the decisions that I make. Oh, one day I'll do it. Just let me go and bury my father. When he dies, when there's the right time, then I'll do it. Listen, hold on a second. If you're not going to do it today, you're probably not going to do it tomorrow. Quit with the excuses. What areas, what are the things that God is trying to get your attention in today? Man number three, verse 61. Another man said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go And bid them farewell who are at my house. He had the language damn packed, didn't he? He had the right words. Lord, you're the master. I'm the slave. I'll do all of that. But first, let me go and say bye to my family. Look what Jesus says to him in verse 62. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There are perhaps many similarities between man number two and man number three. But here's what I really believe the man number three is saying. Jesus, I want to follow you. But I want to hold on to other things too. You're not the main priority of my life. In this man's case, it was his family. We can look and say, well, family's important. It sure is. But in its right order, nothing before God. Nothing before God. Family can be important. But yet we see from this wrong priority. You see, the guy, the guy was saying, Jesus, I, I really want to do that. But you know what? I also want to do this. I want to have other things too. You're going to be on the list, but you're not top of the list. In essence, what he was saying was, God, I want the best of both worlds. He's saying, God, I want to follow you, but don't mess with my life. I'll give you what I want, but don't mess with my life. Don't mess with my entertainment choices. Don't mess with my circle of friends. Don't mess with my money. 
Don't mess with my habits. You see what man three is really showing us too. The tendency that we all have in relationships is this. Oh God, I love you and I'll serve you. But it's so easy to take for granted that love and that relationship. In a marriage we see this. It's so easy to take for granted each other. And guess what? We never coast into a better relationship. We coast away from each other. We don't happen by chance to find love. Guess what? We find everything else and everyone else that's offering us something instead. And our attention and our, attention and our affections are from each other and they're on to everyone else. You see, what? that's what he's saying. It's so easy to have the wrong priorities in our life, but it's maybe we've got the right priority, but now we're taking it for granted and we're not truly living for God. Listen to this. The reason Jesus is so adamant about his followers surrendering everything is because the reality is this. The one thing that we are most reluctant to give up, that one thing that we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that has the most potential To be the substitute for him. The one thing that we're unwilling to give up. Has the potential. To be the one thing. That becomes the substitute for him in our life. And then we find ourselves living in idolatry. Because that idol. Comes before God. You know when I was growing up. That one thing for me was soccer, was football, as we call it in England. As a kid, I was good at soccer. And I don't mean that in a bragging way. I was very good at soccer as a kid. I had ex-pros who taught me at school and coached me that would pull me aside in a group of guys and say to me, Philip, you've got what it takes if you would like to pursue something in that. And as a kid, I wanted to do that. When I was eight, nine, ten years of age, man, I was absolutely incredible. I wished I could play like that now. I was incredible back then. I often say this to Kelly, and I, and I don't mean this unkind. I said, man, I would have loved to have been brought up in America. Because in England, we didn't have crowds. We didn't have stadiums. We didn't even have bleachers. If there was two people watching our games, we were blessed. When we went away and played other schools, the only people who watched us was the other teams that maybe finished before us, and they would come and catch the last few minutes of the game. The most I ever had watched me any game growing up was probably 30 people in a game, and that was a championship game that he needed to say, I scored the winning goal in. But here's the deal. I often said to Kelly, I would have loved to have grown up in America. And she always laughs at me. She said, you're just a big head. I said, if I grew up in America, I would have had people chanting my name in the stadiums because I was good. But you see, that had the possibility to have been a God for me. And as a child, I wanted that dream, but I'm thankful that my parents had a greater dream than me. And they saw something inside of me and they steered me in that because that was my dream. That wasn't God's dream for my life. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a professional athlete if that's what God has called you to. But that wasn't what God called me to be. I'm called to be here in Baton Rouge, pastor in a church. And I'm glad I'm here because guess what? If I wasn't here, you wouldn't be here. And if you weren't here, most of you maybe wouldn't even be saved. Because of me accepting the call and not allowing something to take the priority, can you see the knock-on effect it has on other people? 
You see, it could have easily been an idol for me and something that I put up. And it could have become my God. And it wasn't an easy dream to let go of. But I had a greater dream that God gave me. And that's what you've got to realize. What is that one thing? What is that one dream that you would say, God, I want to follow you. But you know what? This comes first. It's that one thing that has the potential to be the idol and the substitute in your life for God. And I want to tell you something. If you release that thing, if that's what God wants for you, he'll give it back to you. But now it will be given back in the right order. God first, then those things. I realize we can be afraid to go all in and give Jesus everything and anything. To let go of that safety net because we're afraid of what could I lose? What could I lose in giving my life to Christ? And here's what Jesus says. Do you love me? Do you trust me? Then surrender everything and come and follow me. And trading everything we have for all that he offers is always the best deal that we could ever make. In Psalms 106, verse 19 and 20, in the New Living Translation, it's recounted of a story when the children of Israel were at Mount Sinai and Moses had gone up on the mountain to to get the Ten Commandments and he didn't come back down and the children of Israel asked Aaron to make them a golden calf. And look what the psalmist says of that moment from the New Living Translation, Psalms 106, 19 through 20. It says, They made a calf at Mount Sinai, and they bowed before an image made of gold. They traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. They traded their glorious God. They traded everything that God was for a grass-eating bull. That's not a good trade. If I said to you right now, take all the money you've got and put it in that trade, you would be the biggest fool on the face of the earth. That's a no-brainer. Say with me, no-brainer. You're not going to put any money into that because you know that's a no-brainer. God or a statue? I mean, come on. But that's exactly what we do. When we trade and we refuse to surrender those things for the true opportunity to follow God. I wonder what is that? What's that one thing which is competing for your allegiance to Christ? I wonder what that is. In man number three's case, it was his family. It could be your career. It could be finances. It could be popularity, your dreams and your desires. I want to tell you something. It's not worth the loss, whatever it is. It's time to follow him wherever. Come on, it's time to follow him wherever. It's time to follow him whenever. Without excuses. And guess what? It's time to follow him with whatever, not allowing anything to occupy his rightful place as number one in your life. Come on, it's time to follow him wherever, whenever, and with whatever. So today, are you a fan? Or do you desire to be a true follower of Christ? Maybe today you're man number one. Maybe you're man number two. Maybe you're man number three. Maybe you're one, two, and three. But all that really matters today, by the end 
of this message is this. Not whether you're man one, two or three. But whether you become his man today. And you follow Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Wherever, whenever, and with whatever. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to say, well, God, everywhere, but not there. I want every area of my life to be fully exposed and given over to God. I want to follow God with everything I am. How many would be honest enough today? And I think being honest in church is a good place to start. How many wants to be man enough and man up and woman enough to woman up today and say, when it comes to my relationship with God, my relationship with God is more words than often it's action. Come on. Who's going to put up their hands in the house? Come on, my hand's up. I want to tell you that. Come on, who would say my relationship with God, come on, is more words. I'm talking about it a whole lot more than I really am doing it. Come on, there's got to be more in the house. And I'm, I'm not pleading with you. Don't just put up your hand. But I just want you to know, if your hand is not up, then what you're saying is everything you are, everything you do, everything you think is you're just sold out completely to God. Come on, put those hands up nice and high. If that's you. And you know what you're saying? Keep that hand up. Here's what you're saying today. You're saying that, God, I'm not prepared to serve you wherever. No, Pastor Philip, I didn't say that. Yes, you are. Because if your actions are not lining up your words, then you're not saying, God, I won't follow you there. There's areas in your life. You know what else you're saying? There's idols in my life and there's things that are more important than you. You know what else you're saying? I'm making too many excuses. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. You can put your hands down for a moment, but just remember you had your hand up. Here's what I want to do today. I want to ask if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice today that would turn around and say, Pastor Philip, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm not saved. I realize today that I'm not really following God. I thought I was. And, and maybe you've made a decision past tense, but you're not living in it today. So whatever it is, whether it's the first time you need to give your life to Christ or you need to rededicate your life to Christ, it's just as important if you're not living right. Is there anyone who would lift up their hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me today. I want to give my life to Christ. Is there anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, thank God. Come on, thank God. Thank God. Here's what I want us to do right now. Those of you who lifted up your hand, would you just make your way to the front with me right now? Would you just help me with that? Would you just help me with that? Come on, right here at the front with me right now. Come on, those of you that lifted up your hand for this, that appeal and said, I want to give my life to Christ. You know what? I want to give my life to Christ. Come on, if that's you, come on, make your way. Come on, push all the way through. Can you help them over there, Pete, to get to the front? You want to make that decision? Come on, someone's going to stand beside you right now and they're going to pray with you right now. Someone's going to stand with you and pray with you right now. Come on, there you go. Someone's going to stand with you right now. Come on, you're not going to stand alone. You're not going to stand alone right now. There you go, there you go. Someone's coming forward. There you go. I'm going to stand with you right now. Thank God for those that are making that declaration and saying, God, I want to give my life to you. 
It's one, two, three, four, five, six people, seven people, eight, nine, who are saying yes to Jesus, rededicating their lives to him. It's awesome. You know what I want us to do now? Everyone else who lifted up your hands and say, my life's more word than action. Here's what I want you to do. Come on, come in all around them right now because you know what? We're going to pray for you today too. We're going to pray for you today too. Come on, we're not saying we're not saved, but what we're saying is, come on, we've got to start allowing our actions to follow up our words and our words to follow up our actions because we've got to serve God with everything that we have. Come on, I don't want to just be a fan. Come on, I don't want to just be a fan. I want to be a follower. Come on, push right down so people can get out of the aisles. Make a way so people can get all the way down. There you go. Come all the way to the front. There you go. Push on up. That's fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic. We're going to pray for you right now. We're going to pray for every one of you. And here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray the same prayer over those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time or rededicating their life. We're going to pray the same prayer together today. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to confess to Christ that we're tired of just our words being one thing. But we're going to say that our actions are now going to back up every word. Every word. Those of you who came forward for salvation, someone's with you. Someone's got their hand around you because they're there to love you and just encourage you and and be there as you pray that prayer today. And what a decision. And don't race off at the end because we've got a package that we want to give you and some information. We just want to get your name and address so we can just keep in touch with you and keep connected with you. We've just got a time we want to spend with you, so don't rush off. But come on, would you pray with me? Come on, everyone in this place right now, would you pray this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to follow you with everything I am. I'm tired of just the words, but I want to live for you in my actions and in everything I am. God, when I say wherever, it means right there. God, when I say whenever, I'm tired of making excuses. And when I say with whatever, God, I will prioritize you. And I'll give everything to you. God, I thank you today that you love me. That you have given me today the ability, the opportunity to be able to serve you. And God, I want to follow you with my whole life. Come on, just lift your hands in the air right now. And here's what I want you to say. Amen. Come on, what are you saying? Amen to surrender in my life. In the name of Jesus, as we surrender our lives to you, God, right now. We surrender every thought, every action, every part, God. We apologize, God. Forgive us, God, for all the wrong things. And God, I pray that we would never be a church of just words. But God, we would be a body of believers that's all about the action and living for you. God, we don't want to be a fan. We want to be a follower. God, we want to serve you with all of our lives. We want to give everything to you. And God, we pray, God, that our wherever means wherever, our whenever means whenever, and our whatever means with whatever. God, we love you. We praise you in this house. In Jesus' name, amen.
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.